Welcome back to the Bricks. Um, we're excited to be back. It's our quarter episode, so quarter of what we don't know, but we're it's episode twenty-five. Um, so we uh, there's some big time stuff going on in college football, um, which is exciting, but it's also you know. I don't know. It's a little bittersweet because there's been some other stuff going on that's not as exciting with, you know, all the COVID stuff happening in college football and, you know, all that fun stuff. So Pac-12's back this weekend. Um, if anybody cares, I do not. Nick, I don't know if you do, but I do not. But Pac-12 is back, and they're playing at noon. USC is kicking off at noon, but we'll talk about that a little later. Um, so weekend review in college football um the big game of the week i guess you could say which was ended up being kind of a dud because of what had happened the previous week and yeah we didn't make an episode last week we know we know just just let us have it but it ended up being kind of a dud because penn state lost to indiana um and so the ohio state penn state game it was it had a big game kind of feel kind of didn't because the whiteout wasn't happening at penn state um, and also they lost, and so it wasn't really that big of a deal. If Ohio State won, they were supposed to. If Penn State won, it kind of blew up the Big Ten um, a little bit, so it would have been really interesting. But I thought the really impressive um, thing about Ohio State was how good Justin Fields has looked. Um, so, Nick, I don't know, what are your big takeaways from the Ohio State-Penn State game this past weekend? Yeah, I, I mean, I I personally had to go uh, unload some groceries about two minutes into the game. And by that, I mean, at, like literally at, on the kickoff. And by the time I got back in, Master Teague had already scored on the third play of the game. And I think that's that's basically all you needed to know about Ohio State, Penn State. Penn State, I think, is a is a good football team. And I think I don't think they're going to fold. And I think they will be a good football team. I mean, they're 0-2. They, they did everything possible to lose a football game to Indiana, and they did it and only lost by one in overtime. So that's kind of impressive in my mind. Um, and then they, you know, they lost by 13 to Ohio State, which I think is probably going to be the closest that anybody loses to them in the regular season in the Big Ten. It's just, it is what it is. They're, they're pretty good. But, I mean, yeah, you can't come away with anything other than Justin Fields looks really, really good. He looks really comfortable. He's got a lot of weapons on the outside. If they have a consistent run game other than him, I mean, who slows down that offense? I mean, the fact that the dude has seven incompletions and he's thrown seven touchdowns is absolutely ridiculous. Like, that's insane. That's an insane stat. Um, the fact that Georgia let this dude walk out the door is the other interesting thing with Stetson Bennett playing quarterback for them this year. Um, that's very interesting, and it's that could be a, a whole segment for a debate of what the heck could have happened to Georgia, but we'll leave that be. But the dude looks amazing. Um he definitely looks like he should be the second or third pick in the NFL draft. Um, I know a whole bunch of stuff will come out about that, and we'll talk about that a little, like when we get a little closer. But the dude looks really good. He looks like he could change um, the fabric of who your team is in the NFL, and he looks legit. And he looks like the Heisman front runner right now. I would say, especially with Trevor Lawrence out. I mean, he can't control that, but it's still it's still games he's missing, especially missing the game at South Bend. But I think he's the he's the Heisman front runner right now. That being Justin Fields. Um, is there is there some holes in this OSU defense? Is the OSU defense legit? Um, obviously, the Big Ten's not going to be anything for them. We're talking about college football playoff stuff here for the Buckeyes, but is that defense good enough to stop the likes of Trevor Lawrence, stop the likes of that Alabama offense um, that they might see later later in January, I guess? Goodness. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that you answered your own question. It'll be ready in January. It's not ready now. It's not a finished process or a finished piece. Um, but it will be. And, you know, that's the beauty of having a coach like Ryan Day and having a staff like Ohio State. They will be ready to go um, when it matters and when they have two weeks off and all those things. 
So I'm not worried about the defense right now. I'm sure fans, you know, when you have a team like Ohio State, like I'm not an Ohio State fan, so I don't honestly know. My team has all kinds of holes and they're two and five. So I, I, it doesn't take me a lot to, you know, come up with some issues. When you're a Ohio State fan, you look for something to, you know, be upset about, to get ticked off about, to, to you know, do some deep dive research in and figure out what's wrong with your team. I mean, they've gave up 17 in Nebraska, 25 to Penn State. And honestly, I mean, I think that Penn State offense, again, I think Penn State will be a good football team, and I think they'll probably score 30-plus on, on a lot of teams this year once they get going and they get healthy in the running back position. Um, but, I, you know, OSU defense, it doesn't have the big names. I think that's what, what, the, what the real thing is. You're hearing about Justin Fields, and that's, and that's going to be enough. Right now, to be a top-tier one college football team, you need to have an elite quarterback. So, obviously, we're talking about Ohio State. We're talking about Clemson. We're talking about Alabama. Those three have them. That's why they're one through three right now. And you can do whatever order you want to, but those are the top three. And it's obviously more because they have depth and they have all those things, but they have elite quarterbacks and that's where you got to start. So I wouldn't worry about Ohio state. Um, and I wouldn't worry about Clemson until you play them again. I mean, they don't have a great track record against Clemson, but um, you know, you'll get another swing at them this year, in my opinion. And then we'll see what happens. Maybe it's in the national title this year. I'd like to, I'd like to see, I'd like to see the rematch not happen in the semifinals personally, but we'll just see how the seeds shake out um, and see who can get there. But I, I think the big takeaway here is no one else is going to trip up Ohio State. It's not worth having that conversation. Even if they come with their off game this year, I think their off game is enough to win by two scores against everybody left on their schedule. Um, Rutgers has looked better and improved. Um, you know, other than that, you know, that would be the one team you say, oh, maybe, well, they're better than we thought they'd be on the schedule. Or maybe you can pick a few other teams. I mean, they don't play Wisconsin. Do they right? play IU? Do they play Indiana? They do, I believe. I mean, they that play could the be Hoosiers. a game. Absolutely, that could be a game. Maybe that you know IU hangs around for a little bit. Indiana always seems to play them tough. Um, is it in the shoe or is it at IU? Do you that know? game is the twenty first. It is in the shoe. So I, I, you know, okay. Indiana, thirteenth ranked team in the country right now. I don't think that will last. I think they might be a top twenty five team. Not most of the year. They but, play Michigan yeah, think, this weekend, I think. You know, they'd be IU a challenge. Does. They play Michigan this weekend. That'll be a real a test of, of Harbaugh's hot seat, how warm that is and how much his team is bought in on the Joe Milton train. Um, but I think, you know, I, th I just don't think it's going to be an issue. I just maybe, maybe the typical trap game, if it was on the road for Ohio State, where they have, you know, one November game that they just don't show up to as a double-digit um, favorite, I just don't see it this year. I think they're – they're more complete, and I just think in the age of COVID, in the age of the the amount of games they're playing, eight conference games, if they run into any COVID issues, yeah, that's a different conversation. But even if but if they if they play anybody that has COVID issues, I mean, good luck because you got you got to take twenty one days off, three weeks in the in the Big Ten. So hopefully, the Ohio State doesn't find themselves in that situation because that could cost them a a ticket to the college football playoff. Obviously, if they're not healthy and they just don't look good enough or they're, you know, whatever. I, I don't want to go down that road, um, but I, I think they're, they're ready to go. They're good enough. Uh, let's move over to the big 12, Justin. Last week, we would have talked about Oklahoma state beating Iowa state. I still think I would have told you last week. I still think Iowa state's going to win the big 12. There's havoc to be had there. And sure enough, as I picked this week on our bricks picks, make sure you're following us over on Instagram to see that Texas, the, the two loss longhorns favored to at least be, the second best team in the Big 12 this year come into Oklahoma State, Boone Pickens, get dominated in every single stat category, absolutely offensively, defensively, both lines of scrimmage, anywhere you want to find, except they were plus five in the turnover category. And any high-level college football game being that much turnover battle, being that much positive in the turnover battle, you better have a chance to win. And they did it in overtime. 
Yeah, I mean, was there any worse, more of a worst case scenario for the Big Twelve than Texas winning um, this weekend? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, maybe the only other one was Texas losing to um, shoot. They lost to Oklahoma, and who was the other team they lost to? I who was it? I can't remember. That's how much I follow Big Twelve football. That's bad of me. But them getting that first loss before they lost to Oklahoma probably was the other other one. And then Oklahoma losing to K State. I mean, those are those are all losses that you look at and you're like, these are really bad for the Big Twelve. Um, you got to think the Big Twelve was rooting for Oklahoma State because they were they're legit their last hope. I mean, they have to be. They were their last hope. The Big Twelve's gone. I mean, there's not. You're not going to put a one-loss Oklahoma State in over any of those top six teams right now. I mean, maybe the Bearcats, just because they're a you know Power Five school, that would be the only argument. But I, th- I don't know if I would put Oklahoma State in over the Bearcats the way that Bearcat defense is. But I'm getting excited. We'll get back to UC here in a second. But um, the Big Twelve done. I don't even know if they're on life support. I think they're. I, I think it's over. I think the Big Twelve is out of college football talk. Yeah, I think at least. so to clarify, Gary Patterson, who owns the Texas Longhorns That's right. at TCU. Sorry, beat them. Gary. A couple of weeks ago, they made it ugly, one on a late field goal. Um, or I'm sorry, a late fumble and a score right. that was <laughs> Longhorns fumbled at the goal line. It was a great time. It was Texas football all over. Um, Big 12's gone. I, I fully agree with you. I think the country wanted to write them off um, when Iowa State came out and lost week one to Louisiana. Um, Louisiana's still a good football team, but and Oklahoma State came out and laid an egg against Tulsa and got away with it. Now we found out, you know, in retrospect, hey, Tulsa's not a bad football team. Maybe that was part of it. But I, I think they're just not deep. The Big 12 just doesn't have – they're deep in a lack of great teams. They've got a lot of teams that are good teams that could probably win 7-8 in mm-hmm. a 12-win year. You know, 12 season – wow, 12-game season. Thank you. Um, but, you know, it's not they're, – they're gone. I mean, Texas is out, two losses. Oklahoma has two losses. Iowa State has two losses. Oklahoma State is the only one left that has one loss. They still have the inside track to win the Big 12 regular season. But even and then, you know you They're going to stub happen. their toe. They'll stub their toe again along the way. Yeah, and then you're going to have a three-loss at best champion coming out of Arlington. I mean, I think the Big 12 is gone, and, and, and now it becomes a discussion of are we putting in two SEC teams, are we putting in the UC Bearcats, or the BYU Cougars? Who who is the other SEC team? I mean, this we're getting a little off track here, but that's okay. I don't know if there's another SEC team that's good enough to be in there. Like, I mean, it's going to have to be A and M. The Georgia A and M. Okay, that's fair. We've, we've talked but, about A and M a couple weeks ago. Yeah. They're the only one that has the path, and it's because of right. the way that the SEC championship sets up yep. and the way that the standings currently sit. You got Georgia, Florida, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Even the winner of that has to beat Alabama, and I don't think that's happening either way. Uh, we already saw Georgia get smacked by them, and I think that it, a similar result would happen to Florida. Um, so at this point, it's got to be somebody else from the West. I mean, Auburn's already got two losses. <laughs> they should have four, but the SEC officials are really set on them not having that many this year. Hey, but you know what? They smacked LSU this weekend, so War Eagle, that was wild. One of those eye-popping 48-11. I don't know. LSU's got some trouble. LSU is in trouble. Yeah, culturally. they're in big trouble. They're in but, big trouble down there. But all that to say, I think it's got to be A&M. But you're going to start having a conversation there about the group of five. And I think we wanted to have that conversation before we knew the Big Ten was back, before we knew the Pac-12 was back. Now we're back full strength after this week. We're adding the MAC, which Justin didn't mention earlier. We're very fired up about having midweek MACTION back. The OU Bobcats open it up on ESPN on Wednesday night. We're very excited about that. 
but it's the group of five years, 2020. If, if the committee, the committee is going to have to make decisions this year that are not based on an equal playing field. They don't have 12 games of everybody to look at. They don't have a certain amount of non-conference games to look at. They can't even necessarily say, okay, well, this person's a conference champion and this, te- this team's not because it's going to look differently. It's just, it is what it is. It's 2020. And I think a team like UC who let's not forget was not favored last week on the road at SMU and smacked SMU was favored by what moved to about a touchdown at game time was more like three or four going into game day. Just a lot of people bet on that game smacked Memphis. They've got Houston this week who they'll probably smack again. I mean, they still got to go to Tulsa. They got to go to UCF. They got to go to ECU. They actually finished back to back to back road games because of the way the COVID schedule has worked out with Tulsa having to be canceled earlier in the season. So that that's going to be challenging for the UC Bearcats. And we'll talk more about them in, in future episodes. But I, you, you got to start talking about the group of five. And when you when you start about start talking about the group of five, you got to start with the UC Bearcats. BYU looks dang good. They've already played seven games, but I don't think the committee will consider them. Uh, but they got they got Boise State this week in prime time on Friday night. And if by prime time you mean nine forty five, if you want to stay up and record that one and watch it again on Saturday morning before the nooners. But you you got to start talking about them. But I think that I think UC's in that position, and we'll and we'll continue to talk about that as we move forward. Let's go back to the Big Ten for just a second. Michigan last week, Justin, we had it all queued up. Last week was one of those weeks for us combined where things just didn't work. Things just didn't happen. You know, school, home dogs, whatever you want to say, they did not work. And so we did not get an episode recorded. It was one of those weeks. And we had I we went in here to change the script from last week, and we were going to talk about Michigan pounding Minnesota. They looked dang good in prime time. College game day was there. They talked about it might be snow, and it was like 30 degrees in Minnesota. And flip, flip the switch this week, Justin. Michigan State rolls in at noon and beats Michigan in the big house. Beats them. Like, I, they exposed – the Michigan secondary and the Michigan, they exposed Don Brown yet again. The dude, I swear, doesn't even know that the word zone exists. Um, he just plays man to man all the time. And it's like, dude, you don't have the athletes to, to play man to man against dudes. And if you don't have the athletes to play man to man against Michigan State, by God, you're not going to have the athletes to play against Ohio State. So I don't, I don't even know if I'll watch that. That's going to be an absolute thrashing. But seriously, you know, try just cover one. Uh, try, you know, just the basic cover two, you know, anything besides man to man, because obviously it's, it, I mean, you're the definition of insanity. You're trying the same thing over and over again, and it's not working. And Harbaugh, um, you know, we heard about how great this offense was going to be after Minnesota. First off, Minnesota went and got beat by uh, Tua's younger brother. Um, what a weekend for the Tungvaloa family, um, you know. To his first win, his younger brother's first win, um, beat Minnesota, revealing I don't know how good Minnesota is. The boats are not rowing. Um, they need to get the motor going up there. The ice is already coming in. It's not rowing up there. But Michigan, I mean, yet another year of disappointment, yet another year where Harbaugh can't beat rivals. Um, yes, I understand. They beat the snot out of Notre Dame last year. I understand. But they, they don't beat they, – who have they beaten besides Notre Dame last year? They, they haven't beat any teams that's like, oh, my goodness. Can you believe Michigan won that game? Like, they, they haven't beat anybody like that. And they continue to get into, you know, a Tier 2 bowl game, you know, around New Year's Day and get thumped by the third or fourth best team in the SEC repeatedly. Capital One Bowl. Capital One Bowl or the Citrus and over Bowl. And over and I think it's time to say, okay, maybe it's not John Harbaugh. Let's look at what – Maybe it is John Harbaugh. Well, let me rephrase that. What, what is our 
you know, I was talking about the Ravens coach there. He is a much, <laughs> much better coach in a much, much better situation. I was thinking about Lamar and how many turnovers he had yesterday. That was that was sad. Yikes. They still should have won that game against the Steelers. But the point aside, Jim Harbaugh, he is not recruiting at the level he is that he did when when the, when he started at Michigan. It is what it is. But at what point? What is the ceiling in Michigan? At this point, what is what can we be real? Who can we plug and play there in Ann Arbor and say is going to win more than nine or ten? They're not going to win the Big Ten and go to a you know New Year's Six Bowl. I I think that's the ceiling right now. Penn State is recruiting better. Penn State is a quarterback away. They are a quarterback away from being just as good as Ohio State. The last couple of years, they've played two games within one point. This year, they just didn't start well, and they you know still coming off of last week, and then they're playing Justin Fields. You know Justin Fields is rolling. But, but it's Ohio State, it's Penn State, and it's probably even Wisconsin before we even start about start talking about Michigan overall in the Big Ten. Uh, what is the ceiling for the Michigan program? So it's it's one thing for me to say Gus Malzahn needs to go at Auburn or Tom Herman needs to go at Texas because those two teams are not playing at their ceiling right now the way that they can recruit, the booster money they have, the tradition they have of those programs. At what point do we say this is what it's going to be for Michigan, and at some point you're just going to have to say it's good enough? I mean, I think the the 2000s, the 2010s, and the the 2020s have defined that as what Michigan football is. Um, you know, the Lloyd Carr era—that's what they were. You know, yes, they had Mike Hart, they had um, Chad Henney, they had all those dudes. They had some studs. They had that number one versus number two Ohio State game. They still didn't win that game. Um, you know, they had the Appalachian State game in that. They had some dark days with Rich Rod. Um, you know, they've—they're not. I don't it's a it's a whole bunch of stuff of like the big time traditional programs like a Texas, like a Michigan, like all these programs that are living in past glory days and they're not what they are anymore. The the game has changed. The big time schools, the big state schools don't re- aren't really the ones that are going to get the best athletes. You got to be able to recruit. Like yes, Ohio State does it. Yes, Alabama does it. Yes, you know, uh, I mean, I guess you could say, I, don't, I mean, there are some bigger schools that do that, some big state schools, but it's because they recruit, you know. Clemson isn't the big state school, and they go out and recruit. Like, it's just you have to recruit, and then you have to be able to take those recruits and do stuff with them. Look, you can win with you can win with three stars. You can win with three star guys, but you got to be able to coach your pants off to get those three star guys to be able to produce and win. At some point, having four star and five star guys is just going to win out. Like it's it's just what's gonna happen, and that's what's happening, especially with Ohio State running absolutely running the Big Ten right now, um, for what seems to be the foreseeable future. Yeah, and I think just to wrap up that thought, you know, Tom Herman in Texas has all of the guys right now. He's recruited very very well, and he's not winning. That's the reason he needs to go. There's tradition in that program. There's mu- they can buy him out in a second with a with just a handful of boosters in Austin. That's why he needs to go. But I think we need to seriously think about Jim Harbaugh and think about what's the ceiling. Yes, does he need to be recruiting better? Absolutely. Yes, does he need to develop quarterbacks or get them on the transfer market or whatever? Absolutely. But right now, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin are just better programs, and it is what it is. They're traditionally a better program. All that to say, Justin, let's move into our weekly rankings we like to give you a little update. We like to let you know where we're at. Again, we drop those weekly on Instagram. We actually dropped them on Facebook as well this week. Uh, but make sure you're following us at Back to the Bricks Pod there on Instagram to see these. So let's run through it. Uh, our our top 
two has remained unchanged for the last few weeks, Clemson and Alabama, really one A and one B for us right now. We're really splitting hairs um, without Trevor. If we, if, you know, if, if we didn't have Trevor for, you know, an actual injury and not COVID, it would, we would easily say Mac Jones and Alabama were number one. Um, but j- just based on the, the full body work and we think Clemson's a little bit more complete defensively right now than Alabama. But again, splitting hairs, I think, Alabama would probably be favored by three, you know, in a head-to-head neutral site just because the, the odd makers have always traditionally liked Alabama. Um, we got Ohio State at three. They moved up this week with Oklahoma State dropping out of our top six because of their loss to Texas. Ohio State looked good, handled business. And Notre Dame moves up to four from five last week. They took care of business. Um, they did not cover, which is exactly what I thought they would do against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who are not a bad program in year two of their new era. Um, and then we've got our UC Bearcats at five which we're feeling really good about. And we've got Texas A&M at six. Why did we, why do we have five and six the way we do Justin? Um, I, I mean, I think we have five and six the way we do. We got UC at five. Cause I think they're legit. Their defense is legit. And if Desmond Ritter keeps playing the way he's playing and is better than good enough, um, I think they're a dangerous football team. Now, do I think they're going to get a fair shake and they're going to get a shot? I don't, um, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to get it. Um, just because college football needs money and they're going to put the big name programs in there to make any kind of money they can. Even though I'm telling you right now, the five one three would represent um, with the UC Bearcats in ways that haven't been seen before. I really do believe that. Um, and then we have A&M at six because Georgia scored 14 points against the Kentucky Wildcats. 14. Like how long can we say, uh, this Georgia defense is really good, but Stetson Bennett can't even throw the ball 15 yards down the field. Like, I understand that that defense is good, but if you can't score in today's game, good luck. Like, seriously, good luck. That's what the Irish ran into two weeks ago when they, you know, they looked like trash there for two back-to-back weeks. If you can't score, you're in trouble. Um, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. If When you get against really good teams, if you can't put points on the board, you're in big time trouble, but I I truly stand behind our Cincy at five. You know I'm trying I'm out here trying to start beef um, with Kirk Herbstreet on Twitter just because his rankings are absolute garbage. Um, the fact that you have Georgia at four um, over Notre Dame and then you don't even have UC in the top six. Garbage, Kirk. I'm calling you out every week until you figure it out. But I mean that's why we that's why we have them at five and six. That's why we that's why we have UC and A and M there. Again, the, my phrase of the 2020 college football season is recency bias. That's what it is. You, these experts, experts in quotation marks, know where their bread is buttered. When it comes to Kirk Herbstreit, he knows that he is paid by ESPN, and he gets paid quite a bit of money, to my understanding, to do what he does. He does a very good job on air. I don't think he does really good on Twitter, to be completely honest. I think he always takes fans' bait and, you know, whatever. He doesn't make himself look as good. But I'm his trying. rankings – I'm and, trying and to those, get him to take mine. And those things like that, I mean, how many times are we going to forgive teams like Georgia for just not showing up offensively? I mean, we're still talking about it looks like the Jake Fromm era. You know, shout out to Jake Fromm who declared early and then went undrafted. But it looks like the Jake Fromm era still there in Georgia. And let's, let us not forget what Justin said earlier. The Jake Fromm era was because a, a guy by the name of Justin Fields didn't have whatever Kirby smart deems the appropriate tools to play um, in his system, which at the time was even more vanilla than it is this year, which is hard to believe. I mean, but man, Justin Fields would have looked good hand the ball off 35 times a game. 
I'm in that red, red and white. But all that to say, I mean, I'm just tired of excuses. Okay, Alabama since Nick Saban said, "All right, I'm going to get elite quarterbacks and get less vanilla." Doesn't play like this. They don't. They don't have a, a week off. They don't do it. Now, do they turn the ball over five times and lose to Auburn every once in a while? Yeah, but it, that happens to some teams. But they they play a low, you know, low risk ball game for the most part they run the ball between the hashes and then they throw it deep with their elite speed alabama doesn't play like this and that so why are we giving georgia a break why are we giving teams like i'll say it notre dame gets a break sometimes too in the rankings they won't get a break when it comes to the college football rankings don't get me wrong but we're giving in clemson we give clemson a break too most times most years too i think they're different with trevor lawrence at quarterback the last few years but they always have a game like that and we forgive them recency bias i'm tired of it i'm tired of the same teams getting getting the calls when it comes to rankings and don't even get me started about officiating it's the same thing a team like clemson ohio state alabama they don't need your help zebras they really really don't okay there is a thing called holding you can still call it on their big boys even though you know they're the best o-lines in the country you can still call holding you can still throw other flags in the secondary you, you know and you don't have to create fouls when they're not there they're they're better teams they have better talent they've been better coached let them win the game the way that they can. And and it's time. I'll keep banging the drum. It's 2020. Let you see in the door. They're here. They're ready. You cannot tell me that the UC Bearcats would not go toe-to-toe with Georgia on a neutral field right now in 2020. Would Georgia be favored? Absolutely. Give me the Cincinnati money line all day long. There's nobody on the Georgia offense that, like, UC can't cover or that UC can't. Like maybe in the trenches a little bit, just because of pure just mass by the Georgia up front. But like I, I'm with you. I don't think it's that big. Like I don't think it's that big of a discrepancy. I think I think I'd almost pick the Bearcats just because they can do something on offense rather than Georgia. And and don't get me wrong, there is a big difference between Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia. We saw that. Alabama didn't really put the pedal down until the second half. They made adjustments at halftime, and all of a sudden Stetson Bennett looked like a different kid because he had to chase points. Let's be very clear here. If Clemson or Alabama played UC, they're two or three touchdowns. That's how it would result, two or three touchdowns. But UC right. can absolutely play with a team like Georgia. Right, and I th- I mean, I think everybody would be in agreement with this. The first three are locked up. Even if Clemson loses this weekend, they're without Trevor. Um, and they have that in there, and then they have the ACC championship game, which would hypothetically be against the Irish if they do win this weekend. So they have that building. I, the top three are locked in. The top three are locked in. Um, but, yeah, you see I, everybody's playing for four. That's what that's what they're playing with. Um, but we have a huge weekend um, in college football this weekend, absolutely huge. Um, we'll cover the, the SEC game here quickly because we all know the big one this weekend. But Florida at Georgia – um, Georgia getting three and a half here. Um, I don't know. Florida is going to be without some dudes um, due to suspension. Um, I think they still got some guys on COVID protocol too. If I'm if I'm speaking correctly, Nick shaking his head, which means I am good. Um, so I mean, I don't know. I we're going to see. The Florida offense is pretty good. It's decent. Um, the Georgia defense is pretty good. Um, we're going to see. It's just going to be who holds up more, the Florida defense. Or the Georgia offense, because those are two of the biggest question marks in the country right now. I think I'm going to roll with the Gators. Let the Gators chomp here. But um, 
I'm not confident in it because I don't th- I don't know if either of these teams are that good. Um, but I think the Florida offense makes enough plays to where Georgia can't catch them. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think Georgia opened up at four and a half point favorites. I have no absolute understanding of any. I, I don't understand that uh, Vegas likes Georgia, which is part of the reason why the AP likes Georgia um, and why the coaches like Georgia, because they think that Vegas would favor them. I I, th- I think I was really I was really worried about that Florida Missouri stupidity um, fighting over Kyle Trask not getting a late hit call um, at the end of the first half and really thought more players would be suspended when I saw that that replay um, but at this point it's it's I believe it's three or two guys who got tossed at halftime and then three guys who are suspended for the first half of this game from the SEC handing it down today and I know Dan Mullen was fined as well um, for running out there and not really necessarily stopping it. His assistants did a much better job than he did. Um, but all that to say, Florida is a better team right now than Georgia. In a couple weeks, that might be, not be the same story. When we talked about this a few weeks ago, I really thought JT Daniels would be the quarterback at Georgia by now. I'm starting to think there's something going on there. What, I is, don't know. what is going on? Like Stetson's Maybe he's bad. not healthy. And it's and the thing is, even the guys who are, to my understanding, who are like locked in at Georgia as far as reporters and and things like that, they they don't have any knowledge. It's it Because you can't be in practice this year because of COVID and, and, you know, so it's super locked down. So normally you'd hear something like, Oh, he was taking reps with the first teams or with the twos. They have nothing right now. And I, I you've got to think he's either not healthy or there's something else going on. Maybe he had COVID and it wasn't reported. I mean, fill in the blank. It could be anything in 2020, but if JT Daniels is not the quarterback, I just don't see Florida. I'm sorry. I don't see Georgia winning this game. Uh, let's not forget this game is a neutral site. I mean, they're, they're mostly neutral site anyways, Still supposed to be in Jacksonville, Florida, like they normally do. I think Florida has too many weapons, and I Georgia's got some guys out uh, to injury. They lost a few guys against Kentucky, which made that fourteen to three score even worse. I know they were missing Pickens on the outside of the offense, anyways. Going into that game, he didn't travel with the team. I think Georgia just doesn't have enough offensively, like Justin said. If Florida scores twenty, they win the game, and I think they do. So I think it's that simple. I like the Gators, uh, but. You know, I, I really was excited for this game until Georgia got absolutely thumped by Alabama in the second half and Florida lost to AM and that kind of took some of the, the luster out of it. So the team here that wins still is going to win the East most likely, um, but I still think they both stumble at least one more time, whether it's in Atlanta or in the regular season, and nobody from the East has a shot at the playoff, unfortunately. But give us the Florida Gators um, and give us the points because we'll take, we'll take that spread. All right, Justin, South Bend. Notre Dame, South Bend, Indiana, Notre Dame. It's not quite the home game you were hoping for this year. Um, it is an ACC conference game, which you wouldn't have said before the year. It may be part one to part two, like people said when Georgia and Alabama played. I think it is part one and part two in the ACC. And no Trevor Lawrence. So the big headline going into last week before Clemson was down 18 in the first half to Boston College and came storming back to win in the second half. Shocking. We were all shocked that that happened after halftime. And by that, I have a very, very large sarcasm. All that to say, no Trevor Lawrence. Dabo confirmed after the game that his uh, COVID-positive test and the protocols that would need to be followed could not be fulfilled by the ACC's measure and him be ready to go, clear to go for Notre Dame. So Clemson, the number one team in the country, travels to the fourth-ranked Notre Dame Irish. Vegas is currently giving them five and a half. What what are your first thoughts? Uh, First off – I'm bummed. Um, I'm bummed that Trevor Lawrence isn't playing. Um, that's not good for college football. 
Um, it's not good for the Irish. I'm, I'm really bummed because if, if the Irish do happen to beat Clemson, the, the story is going to be that Trevor Lawrence didn't play. And so it just takes away from what if the Irish do have a special effort, finally get the, get the rock over the hump um, and win a big, huge, monumental game. Um, if it finally does happen, it's without Trevor Lawrence playing. Now, DJ is good. Um, it's Uwe Ungale or something like that. I Uwe think Ungale. I yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. I think I was close. I tried to listen to Joe Tessitore this weekend um, say that name over and over and over again, but just for that moment. Um, but he's good, but he's not Trevor Lawrence. Um, he could end up being he better. He will be. He will be he, in a couple yeah. years. He, he, he'll probably end up being better, but he's not him yet. Um, and to to slay the giant, um, as you might say, you got to have him at his be- at his strongest. Um, and without Trevor, it's 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 a bummer. But it's still a huge football game. I'm still so excited. Um, it's going to be amazing. I get to see this Irish defense, which has looked really really good all year long. I mean, Kyle Hamilton is a flat dude. Like the dude is unreal. Um, he's he's a true sophomore. So you know, for one more year or two, the guy's a. I mean, he's a first-round pick, no doubt. He might be a, a top-15 pick, um, just the way he plays. Get to see that defense finally play somebody with some salt um, and, and and really, you know, try to see if they can stop somebody that's really good on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I, I think they're up for the challenge. The question is the, question is the offense. Um, Ian Books looked better, but he's still not looked like what a fifth-year quarterback should look like. I mean, he's still – Still a run game. Um, you know, Javon McKinley's come alive. They're using Chris Tyree in the passing game a little more. Mayer and Trimble are both studs. Um, but it, uh, tight ends, one receiver, and a freshman scat back is not enough to beat this Clemson defense. Um, you gotta, you got to have some special in you. Hopefully he ends up for it. I'm not so sure. I think the defense holds up, but I don't, I'm scared about the offense. Yeah, I think. I think all Ian, I heard this today on another podcast. You know, all Ian Book has to do is play the the best game of his season, uh, maybe the best game of his career, um, to to win it. I think it's that simple. I think if Ian comes out, um, they try to they get him established early with some crossing routes and just some easy dink and dunks, get him settled in, get his feet feet wet. He might have a night. Um, he but he can't turn the ball over, and it's going to be, you know, it, it's you can look at any category you want to, but you got to look at turnovers in this game with DJ coming in in his second start as a true freshman. He, if he turns the ball over, Notre Dame has a real good chance to win this game. He didn't last week against Boston College, despite the fact that they, you know, fell behind early. And and you could tell the the playbook was pretty closed early in that game for Clemson, and they really opened it up at halftime. And he, you know, he really did play pretty well. I mean, he threw for almost four hundred. So I mean, I don't know what else you want the kid to do. He almost broke Trevor's. He was, I believe, like forty yards away from breaking Trevor's single game record, and that's because Trevor doesn't usually play in the second half. Otherwise, he'd throw for six fifty. Um, but I think it's ETN for me. That's the big one. How, how often, um, does he get the ball in this game early? Um, are they willing to give it to him 35, 40 times, you know, in the passing game in the running game, jet sweeps, anything you can think of to take the pressure off of DJ and how, like you said, I think if Notre Dame can get to the half defensively, I think we got ourselves a ball game here. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at the turnover battle. Um, and what I don't want this to be is a conversation like you brought up of does Clemson get by with a loss? Like, let's just see the game first. Let's not go down that road until we need to. The college football playoff committee doesn't need to be evaluating the worth of one player. Uh, Vegas doesn't even like doing that. So, you know, we don't need to talk about that at this point. Give me who's on the field right now. Uh, but with all that said, Justin, I, I do want to I do want to make you make a prediction here. Uh, 
on episode 25. Who wins it and why? Let me preface it with this. Um, if it's a blowout, I'm not going to be a happy camper. Um, if the Irish win, it's not going to be in convincing fashion. Um, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a gritty game. It's going to be, you know, last possession game for the Irish to get a W. If it's a blowout, it's Clemson. Um, that's that's just the way it is. The Irish aren't built to blow a team like Clemson out. Um, so I, Clark Lee, defense coordinator for the Irish, um, is a name to look at to be a, to be a head coach. He's going to be ready. He's, he's going to have a game plan um, ready for that Clemson offense. The question for me is Tommy Reese. Is he going to put together? Is he going to? Is he going to put some swirl ice cream in that um, play calling sheet? He stays pretty vanilla a lot. Um, I like Tommy Reese, but he has stayed really vanilla, and he's kind of protected and treated Ian Book with um, kids gloves. Um, and that can't happen this week. You can't do that. You got to you got to take them off, and you got to let it loose. We've talked about this game for you know the whole season. It's got to happen. But I can't. I, I'm, I'm going to do it. I got to. I got to pick the Tigers. Um, as sad as it is, as much as I don't want to do it, as much as I want to pick my beloved Irish to win a game finally, um, that they're not supposed to win. Um, I can't do it. I think the Tigers win. I think it ends up being like a two touchdown game. I think it stays. I think it's actually closer than that. But I think it ends up being like a two touchdown game um, in Clemson's favor. Sadly, you can hear the um, discouragement in my voice at this pick. Yeah, so I went to check the over-under. It's 51-and-a-half. I was trying to see what Vegas was thinking points-wise. I think I like the under slightly there. I think it's in the 20s, um, like Justin hinted at. If it's in the 30s, the Irish aren't winning it. I mean, I think it's that simple. Um, no Trevor. I think DJ does enough. I think he makes a couple mistakes, and for that reason, I think the Irish are in it the whole way. Um, I think Ian plays an okay game, not his perfect game, but plays pretty well. Um, and I'm going to go the opposite of what you just said. I think it's a two-touchdown game late, and then a backdoor Irish you know, special at the end gets it to within a touchdown. So I'm going to go 27-20 Clemson Tigers. I think it's a fantastic game. And I think One it thing. sets up – go ahead. One thing real quick. If you haven't watched the Irish all year, which I understand. A lot of people hate the Irish. I get it. I, I understand. Watch 24 on the offensive side of the ball. If you want to see somebody who's got a shot to be really good at the next level and you're looking for who your team's going to pick, Tommy Tremble is the man. Um, the dude knocks people off their feet when he blocks them. They're, I wish he was a little better in the passing game, but, you know, it is what it is. He blocks like his hair is on fire. Um, that dude's legit. And watch Baby Gronk. Watch Mayer. That dude's a stud, too, 87. Um, watch watch the Notre Dame Titans if you haven't watched them all year. They are they're unreal. You will not be um, disappointed when you're watching those two play. Absolutely. So we, we both like the Tigers. There's going to be a lot of athletes on the field. And let's be clear here. This is not a referendum on Notre Dame. This is a referendum on how deep Clemson is. Do not come out w- away with this weekend saying, oh, I knew it. Notre Dame's not any good. That's not what this weekend's about. If they win, we can have that conversation about how we were wrong about how good the Irish are. But let's be very clear. This is about how good Clemson is and how deep Clemson is. And we're going to find that out. I really wish it was with a full stadium and with South Bend rocking because that place gets loud and cold and all those things. I don't think it's going to be crazy cold this weekend. But I would have liked to see that you know, happen. But we're, we're looking real forward to Florida, Georgia, and definitely looking forward to Clemson, Notre Dame. And we can't wait. We can't wait till Saturday, and we can't wait till next week to break it down with you back on the bricks next time.